Epic gumdrop. Sweeter than rolling sixes in your living room decathlon. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. A quick reminder that listeners who want detailed show notes and links to the games discussed in this episode can head over to BreakingDads.com. 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 Uh, as always, thanks to everyone listen- uh, everyone out there listening for letting others know about the show. We really appreciate it. And if you want to yell at me about how I didn't discuss your favorite badminton game, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Epic Gumdrop. This week, we, we are wading into the very, very deep end with a multi-part series on board game sports. After our board game Cthulhu episode, I lost so many sanity points, I thought I should continue to navigate through the world of board game geek databases. Yay! Uh, uh, I saw that they have a family category for various sports. There's 35 individual sports listed, which represented with their own, uh, you know, each with their own little section. Total of uh, 4,898 board games. That seems excessive. I, I think that must be upwards of 5% of the entire Board Game Geek database. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It's a lot of games. So we're going to talk about all 4,898 games today? Yeah, in this yes. episode. We're going to yeah. ram No. In the next 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I suspect uh, this is going to be... Uh, many parts yeah i tried breaking it up into chunks once i got a handle on what i was looking at and i after i wrote the first episode i was like oh my gosh i have barely even touched anything yeah so we'll over the next months i think <laughs> we'll get at this as yeah i don't think i want to barrage people with all five or six parts of this so but this is this is firmly part one of x definitely yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, there's been a lot of evolution in the way sports are represented in board game form. A lot of uh, what we're going to focus on is the more classic or direct simulations or representations. So what I mean by that is we're not going to look at games like Blood Bowl Team Manager, the card game, uh, because that wouldn't fit neatly into talk about American football games. Things that just diverge too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, That said, we'll do a wrap up episode probably at the end that looks at the evolution of sports board games into these newer forms. Right. As well, we'll probably skip over a bunch of the interesting entries with battery-powered games as we looked at these in our electric cardboard episode, which is episode 27, if you want to go back and listen to that. Back in time. You probably don't want to. It's probably awful. Back way back when. I can't listen to all that old stuff. 27? No, it's probably pretty good by 27. No, 27. I think we were okay. Yeah, don't hit episode 3. Yeah, no, that was... Oh, 3 was terrible. Whatever that was. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes. Let's, you know, start out this madness with some top 10 action. Uh, Jeff. What do you think made the top 10 for most titles listed? What sports groupings? First off, I can't even conceive of 10 sports you would make board games on in general. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so First list all 35. Okay. With, with the European bent of board games, I feel like soccer has to be on the list. Yeah. That's going to be in the top 10 for sure. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of car games, mm-hmm. so that has to be on the list. Baseball highlights just came out, so that has to be on the list. Yeah, and um, I know for a fact there's a ton of of American and or Canadian football games hmm. because I've I've gone down that rabbit hole many a time. Yeah, and then from there there are other sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that <laughs> did I did I nail it? That was pretty good, actually. Uh, I'll run through the top ten that with the most number of titles. Okay, first one, you're right, football, soccer. 754 titles okay by, by a long shot the leader auto racing number two yeah. 572 titles now i didn't see that as number two i i yeah. i didn't even think about it but i was like well, i was a little surprised but one more i thought about it and as we get into yeah. that one because if i think about my local game store there's always there's always there's always a bunch of racing ones 
Uh, next up was baseball, 476, mm-hmm. number three. American football gridiron, 382 titles in number four. Yeah. Number five was a surprise to me, horse racing. 316 titles. It makes sense as you think about it, but no, I would not even have put that in my mental list. Exactly. Uh, Whatever I said, number six, uh, golf, 311 titles. Also, yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't have struck me that it would make top 10. I don't know if I could play golf 311 times in real life, let alone... 311 variations yeah on it it's but i mean every, yeah. a lot of people play golf so yeah. i guess it makes sense bicycle cycling as a category uh number seven with 271 titles man if you add up all the different ways of racing it's yeah they take top spots that's it exactly yeah. whatever said number eight ice hockey 197 titles so ice hockey or if you're canadian hockey hockey yes exactly take that field hockey i don't see you on the list <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what that one, if it even is on. Yeah. Call. That, hmm, interesting. We'll figure there it out. might be we'll a void out. in there. Yeah. We will find out when we hit the Fs. <laughs> Much farther down the road. Episode 82. Basketball was at number nine with 182 titles. Wow, there's more hockey than basketball. That's shocking to me. Not by much. No, but the fact that basketball is way more popular than hockey in the States. Yeah. Uh, I guess that shows how many Canadian game designers there are. Right there. And my guess is they're probably not including a lot of like table, like air hockey games that mm-hmm. maybe just are too weird, obscure, too Canadian to have right. made the list. We Canada alone probably produces like nine or 900 or a thousand. I think if you walk into a Canadian tire, you'll find like a hundred different they have a section, games. right? Yeah. And I all that just says air hockey. Yeah. Big arrow. And the final one on the list, uh, fishing slash angling, 150 titles. Which, uh, you know, again, I, when I think of kids' games and stuff, that totally mm-hmm. makes sense. There's a lot of fishing as a theme. What's the difference between fishing and angling? Just out of curiosity. Is, is fishing done in a boat and angling done from the shore? I honestly do not I, know. I don't know. I just guessed that. Yeah. I, I'm that not sure sounds if a fly, plausible. fly fisherman is an angler, not a fisher. because I thought they were interchangeable, but I could be. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, somebody out there will let us know, or uh, I'll go consult the internet after yes. this. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how many huge surprises there mm-hmm. were on this list. You know, maybe that auto racing beats both American football and baseball. Uh, but there is good reasons, as we kind of you suggested there. I think yep. we'll get into that more in a bit. Yeah, the top slot totally makes sense. For the, this whole overview, we'll just go A to Z or, or A to W, as the case may be. <laughs> so first up to the plate, aerial racing. Again, not a category I even knew existed. No. The first game listed in the BGG database is 1910's The Aerial Derby, and the description is kind of interesting. It's a pre-World War I game featuring the relatively new world of aviation. The game is not very, quote-unquote, new in the sense that it is a goose-type race game. Move according to the die, obey the instructions of every special square, and the first to fly around the world wins. As uh, a side observation, 20, uh, Space 20 foretold events that would happen 100 years later. New York collides with Skyscraper. Back to eight. That was a one of the moves on the board. Wow. And the cover is awesome. It was uh, put out by Chad Valley Games in England, and the illustrations are of like all these early flying machines buzzing around the tops of famous buildings. Hmm. And so the plane building collision mentioned in the description seems like a, like a foregone conclusion when you look at the cover because you're like, oh, that's going to happen. I do like that uh, it does show you the state of game design in 1910. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we've got this really cool thing. Let's let people roll dice and follow instructions. And gamify, yeah, yeah, in some way. You're participating in flight. Yeah. Through the power of die. 
Yeah, that's uh, Count huh. Your Pips. Yeah, very odd. It's it's a cute looking title or a cute looking cover. Um, neat neat game. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't it surprise me that almost half of the 54 titles in this category appear before the 1970s. Uh, well, recent years have brought us a Ze- Zeppel Drone, that was ni- uh, 2014, the steampunk racing game, or Dragon Riders, that was 2005, which is, you know, the dragon racing game. <laughs> yeah, imagine it can't be long before we see a drone racing game in this category uh, or something like that. Yeah. It, it's also also worth knowing that a- aviation and flight does have its own category in BGG. So only games that are specifically about racing and right. flight are listed here. Because that's so, the sports side of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there is a whole pile of other stuff, but, you know, quite a few. So have there been any good games about aerial racing? Uh, I, the highest ranked one out of all of the aerial racing goes to the Great Balloon Race, uh, 1991 game from Parker Brothers. From Parker Brothers. Now, uh, the description says, this is a light game, lighter than air, one no. might say. No. Yeah. In which each player starts the game with a card assigning a secret interest in three different balloons. The balloon markers are lovely, light, lovely little brightly colored plastic gadgets. And on your turn, you roll a die and choose which of the eight you want to move. Some spots you land on give you a free roll. From some, you can only go backwards. With much shucking and jiving, the balloons gradually float and bump up toward the finish line whilst players feign disinterest in their own colors in hopes they'll be promoted by others. When all three of your balloons reach the finish, you can claim victory. So, yeah. Wow. That sounds... Yeah. Now, but Jeff, but before we get carried away with aerial racing, let's move on to some heavier territory. You can just sigh heavily there. No, you just redid the joke from the description about I, the lighter yeah, than it's, air. It's That's just terrible, isn't it? Like when you when you thought of that, did you did you feel bad for you? Like you felt shame instantly, didn't you? I did. I thought, okay. oh, it's awful. Can we please move on to something? Anything? Absolutely. We'll move on to your favorite thing now. All right. American football gridiron. Well, technically, my favorite thing is Canadian football. Ah, okay. Which is definitely a sub, sub, sub category. Your favorite thing on this list. Yeah, there's probably more football games featuring orcs and elves than Canadian football. Canadians are a very rare... We are. Very rare breed. (laughs) Very rare breed. There's a lot of titles here, 382. So let's take a look at some of the top contenders and see what makes a good American football slash gridiron game. Okay. The top BGG rank goes to First and Goal, a 2011 game, Stephen Glenn's uh, take on the sport. It's mostly about dice, but let's give the publisher's description. First and Goal pits two football teams in a classic gridiron match. Players call plays, using the cards available in their hands. Yardage gained or lost is determined by a roll of the dice, and strategic play calling makes all the difference as to which dice you get to roll for each play. The right offensive play might gain you a lot of yardage unless the defense sets up correctly to stop it. After all, it all comes down to the roll of the dice. Fumbles, interceptions, sacks, penalties, deep passes, breakaway runs, it's all here. First and goal comes with three running dice, three passing dice, a defense dice, a play die, a referee die, and a penalty die. The card decks include 60 offense cards and 60 defense cards. Six division packs, each with four unique DFL, Dice Football League, expansion teams are sold separately. And the only close runner up to this game is, uh, in terms of rank, is uh, Pizza Box Football 2005. And uh, Tom Vassell, the noted board game reviewer, really liked both of these games, but felt that the need to consult tables uh, knocked Pizza Box Football down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Basically, sound pretty similar in terms of gameplay, yeah. dice used throughout. And then the next two in the rankings are much older games. 
You get Stratomatic Pro Football, 1968, comes in at rank three, and Paydirt. Uh, it's a 1970 game originally called Sports Illustrated Pro Football and published by Time Incorporated. Comes right behind that. Probably some missing some of the nuance, but these two are also largely you know dependent on dice. In terms of how they implement the results, I'm at a total <laughs> loss uh, as I do not understand football at all. The main difference is their attempt to uh, utilize actual stats from the NFL in their gameplay. But it's not all dice. Uh, more recently, there is Masters of the Gridiron 2014 game, uh, an attempt to create a 15-minute two-player card game version of the sport that is aimed at all players, even those without intimate knowledge of the sport. Oh, hey, that's me. Yeah. The publisher gives this little history of how the game is different. Clay Dreslau, the game's lead designer, wrote his first dice-based sports simulation in 1976. He later discovered similar games from companies like Stratomatic and Sports Illustrator, but didn't enjoy them very much. It's tedious to spend hours picking plays, flipping them over, rolling dice, looking up the results in a chart, rolling more dice, moving counters on the play clock, and so on, just to resolve each play. Instead, Clay recreated the award-winning baseball mogul and football mogul computer games capable of simulating entire seasons in just a few minutes. We used this technology as the underpinnings for Masters of the Gridiron to create realistic plays, rating, player ratings for over 680 current players and to create realistic playbooks for all 32 teams. Over the last four years, we have boiled down 26 pages of rules to the bare essentials, creating a head-to-head -head card game that feels like football. With its fast playtime and easy to learn gameplay, this one sounded very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then here's a little bit about the gameplay itself. Each player starts the game with three offensive playing cards, three defensive playing cards, and four playbook cards. To mount a scoring drive, you match a playbook card to an offensive player with the appropriate skills, such as passing or run blocking. You lay them down on the table, announce the player rating that your opponent needs to beat in order to stop your attempt to score. Their ability to stop you depends on a combination of their strate uh, strategy decisions and the draw, luck of the draw. Players alternate possessions until, quote-unquote, time runs out when each team has no more offensive player cards to draw. Along the way, you enjoy all the aspects of a real football game, from goal line stands and two-point conversions to game-changing interceptions and last-minute field goals and other uh, terminologies I don't understand whatsoever as I'm reading them. I'm like, I sports! Sports! <laughs> the playbook cards themselves are used to track your score, so the only thing you need to play are the two decks, one per team and 15 minutes of time. So given the high complexity of plays possible, I'm kind of surprised not to see like a heavy Euro-style mm. game out there for this sport. Maybe it's buried in there, or maybe it's still in design due to the complexity of it until yeah. the year 2358 when it's going to finally be released. Yeah. Really, it's such a sophisticated sport, mm -hmm. and it I, it struck me that it, like, what a nightmare to try to produce a game for it. It's one of those things where every attempt to account for the variety of play calling you can do, the variety of players that you can have, has resulted in games where to play it, is a, a an exponential amount of time than to watch it. Yeah, and exactly. That gets, and that gets difficult. That's every, the barrier. And then every time they try to streamline it and strip it down, it doesn't feel like you're playing football. No. And I think um, for people like me, you're, when you're such a huge fan of the game itself, playing the stripped-down versions always feels like you're missing something. But playing the more realistic, trying-to-take-account-for-everything games feels tedious like doing your taxes yes so uh, there has to i think people are searching for that holy grail feels like playing football without the an, it's not an 18x game exactly 18xx yeah. yeah it's not like totally pull up the spreadsheets let's do some accounting mm -hmm. for fun yeah 
and then the other the other problem is you need other people as obsessed as you are yeah. with the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> to play any of them to pull it out at game night. Okay, uh, first I'm going to explain the rules of football to all of you. Yeah. So uh, we're going to come back here in three weeks and. We're going to play this thing. Like, I built my own electric football table hmm. um, so that it would be Canadian football sized. And, you know, I got my custom teams made. Right. Uh, and I can never play it because there's no one that wants to put <laughs> the time in to play a game. Well, this is why you had three children, isn't it? It is, so that but they're you, not. You're slowly grooming them? They're not there yet. Oh. The oldest one is like you with sports. He's like, mm. Mm, I could say take it or leave it, but honestly, I'm going to go with leave it. Yeah. Because uh, he doesn't care about sports at all. And the younger two love it, but they're still eight and six. So they don't have any Man. kind of um, focus or attention span. Right. So they can't play them at all yet. So one day, maybe, hopefully, maybe, hmm. I've heard of other father-sons being able to do these kind of things. You have a timetable on your wall. We're going to get to medium weight euros by the time you're nine. Yeah. So uh, so I'm hopeful. But uh, huh. yeah, it, that's... Football games, it's, I think, because a lot of people, the people who really love it know all the ins and outs and think they could coach a football team. Right. None of them could, myself right. included. <laughs> but they think they can. Well, they can from their couch. Yeah. Once a week. Uh, and so it's there hasn't been that. The other problem is that there's video games. Right. And video games can give you the complexity yeah. without the time. Yeah. I'm wondering if video games maybe pulled the rug out from under this one a little bit. It definitely killed electric football, yeah. uh, which is very fun, but time-consuming and tedious to set up. Yeah, and, and more fiddly than... Way more fiddly, yes, <laughs> and that players don't listen to you or do, yeah. what, do what you want them to. So, yeah, I think video game killed the board game, but I, I feel like it's out there. Somebody's going to make a great American football game or hmm. preferably Canadian football game, uh, and it's going to people are going to want to play it. Right. We're not there yet. No. No. How's your design coming? It keeps, again, it's that balance between <laughs> s speed, efficiency, and having everything in it. Yeah. And and I keep losing that balance. And being a, something that could be playable by idiots like me. Right. So yeah. So that's a hard... Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I can handle the game mechanics and stuff, but as soon as you start talking terms, I'm like, mm -hmm. what? Is this Netrunner? Like, do I need to learn yeah. a new language? So and you do yeah you yeah. do and so, I, I it's to convince me that i need to commit to that new exactly, language is hard exactly and also that it's you know i because i'm not that interested in football as a sport to make me want to play football in a way that kind of tricks me mm -hmm. is like this is this is guys running around and you do stuff and it's fun yeah and and it's it's fun in a simulated board game space mm -hmm. and making that hurdle so easy for me to get over or to even pull make me want to make the hurdle exactly. not forcing me but to saying, not to not roll your eyes at the this look looks of it awesome. right away. yeah yeah so i don't know if that's what like you know like games we'll get to later like blood bowl and things like that or an attempt at maybe trying to make things look a bit more fun or take concepts and stretch them into a whole other space or 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 because you're stripping down a lot of the layers of complexity yeah that exists which for you as a fan ruins the whole thing right to put it in a fantasy setting goes it's okay yeah. that this is simplified because so it's a difference between like 1830 uh and ticket to ride right so you don't you you would want the deep dive you want to go in but without the time commitment right again. yeah <laughs> you want ticket to ride playability i want something that represents the complexity yeah without upping the complexity hmm. so that's all really no Magical. problem yeah wow, that's a it sounds like piece of cake holy grail of uh yeah. sports games we'll get there yeah <laughs> so the the next one we'll go get to uh much lighter in many ways mm -hmm. uh, athletics slash track and field 
The first game listed in the 61 Strong Athletics Track and Field category page is Hurdle Race 1900. 1900. Love that. It is an oldie timey beauty box. Uh, the subtitle declares, It is great sport! I don't know why, but it does. It's awesome. It's almost as large as the title. That's pretty uh, awesome. It's huge font. The The box covers all kinds of mayhem. Uh, is that a starch-colored elephant kicking that guy in the butt? Are those police hauling that person out of the water? Will the dog eat the rest of the guy's pants? It's uh, a Milton Bradley spin and move game with the description noting that it contains Milton Bradley's in-house art depicting Buster and Ty- Teague. I don't know yeah. what that is. Foxy Grandpa and one of uh, the Katzenjammer kids on the lid. What? I will, I'll put a link to the box. It's awesome. It's really, you look at that and you're like, yeah, there needs to be more board game boxes like this. It's so cool. Like it's a box you look at and you go, yep, that's 1900. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. So... You know, outside of celebrity titles like uh, Bruce Jenner Decathlon Game 1979 uh, from Parker Brothers with its dice rolling and dexterity mechanics, it's hard to see a lot of differentiation in this group. There are some Olympics or marathon-based games, but most involve dice spinners or dexterity. Mm -hmm. And it's worth noting the highest-ranked game in BGG for this one is Reiner Knizia's Decathlon 2003, a print-and-play dice game that achieved a 6.2 average rating. So it's not the highest rated game, but had enough to votes to be included in the page ranking system. I think it was huh. that bumped it up. Uh, you know, that Reiner Knizia, if he just dedicated himself, he might be able to make he, some more games. I, I like to just do an episode called Reiner Knizia is a lazy man. Because, <laughs> man. I like that, yeah. I think every episode I, I'm going to find multiple Knizia games. It would be interesting to do an episode just on how many different categories he's in. He's in. Oh, I, I want to do a Knizia episode that's, yeah. yeah, not just about my, you know, the best Knizia games, but about just him and the breadth of it all. Because yeah. there's so many where I'm like, I don't know I want to play it, but that's impressive that he's like, I need to do that. I need to do that category We should there. have a Reiner, Reiner Knizia versus Steve Jackson weird game off. Oh, that would be good. There is a Reiner, I don't know if they call it a Reiner Knizia-thon or something, mm-hmm. where annually they, they come together and play just Reiner Knizia games. Boy, that sounds like you would run out of variety after 50 or 60 years of doing that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you could attend that every year and never play the same game. That's exactly it. It's bonkers. I think since we started recording this podcast, he's put out four games. Is I, that? I think so. Yes. I, you know, and I, not, not to, again, like with Steve Jackson, not to be dismissive at all yeah. of them. Like I, I just, it's blow, it makes me laugh because it's so absurd yes. like, that he's so prolific no, and, and it, it's, he's and everywhere. It's not like he's reskinning the same concept over and over the same, the same gameplay. No, he, it's, he, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not always super complex or they're not. I, I'm sure, I'm but, sure if we look, he'll have done a, a roll and move game. Oh, just absolutely. Just as a game. Every single yeah. mechanic. It just, it just is called Roll and Move. It's a yeah. dice and a piece of paper. Ryan Akinitsia presents Roll and Move. <laughs> he, he's done them all. Or he'll invertibly move and then you roll. It'll be there weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. That's uh No, it, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I, I do think that is a whole future uh, thing we need to do. It's going to be a 27-part series. Okay, so what else do we have in... In athletics and track and field. Well, in terms of mechanics, it's intri- intriguing that designer Eduardo Crespo is trying to publish a game called 1500 Meters. Uh, instead of using dice, it states it employs Euro mechanics. At a 70 to 90 minute gameplay ah. and three to eight players, it sounds very ambitious. Here's a little description. It's in- in here it's interesting to see a different approach using quote unquote endurance points. Players always choose in every moment the distance they go forward in each turn, but you'll have to manage your 100 endurance points over the entire race. Each player has two rounds where the players move. One, 
cards round. Each player chooses a movement and a card, and there's a simultaneous auction uh, in endurance points for an advantage action. Two, rate round. Each player can keep, increase, or decrease uh, their current rate uh, spending of endurance points. Using your strategy correctly and knowing when to risk, you can become the next 1500 meter champion. And I thought that yeah. sounds, that to me sounds like the best board game simulation of an endurance race. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think it's been published yet. I think he's trying to, mm-hmm. he's going an alternative route, but yeah, I really? thought, there's not people lining uh, up to go like, you know, well, it's 70 to 90 minutes too. It's, it might be a bit repetitive. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel know. Like you, you could math it out, but I think it really does depend on the strategies of your opponents. Yeah. Much like a real endurance race. So I've been told, I do think the problem <laughs> is when you go, I'm going to make a game of a sport that people once every four years, watch the final 30 seconds of. Yeah, exactly. Just so they have the and cultural gonna... <laughs> capital to have a conversation around the water cooler. And it's going to take an hour and a half. Yeah. So it's, anyway, I was intrigued. Yeah. I, I like to see, like, in these categories where people, you know, take the concept and just run with it. Mm-hmm. And are, no, not intended. No, sorry. See, you can't help it, but do it like sports place wordplay. You don't even like sports, but you like sports-based wordplay. I, I can't help that, it. It just I, find that weird. I think the English language is just littered with it. Yeah, it's true. We do like we do like our sports. Let's move out of uh, North America. Okay. And uh, let's go visit Australia for Australian football. Which, by the way, is another sport that I have become obsessed with over the years. It's hard not to. Yes. Even I would, you know, I think everybody, when you see this, you're, you're kind of drawn to it. It's a... Lots of flame. Yes. I'm very interested to see how people have board gamed this. Yeah. So while I, you know, I have a limited understanding, as we've discussed, yeah. of the differences in sports, period, hockey, football, I don't know, explain yeah. the difference. Uh, Australian football is much less represented with only 26 entries, and nine of these are Monopoly variants. Oh, USAopoly, is there <laughs> nothing you won't ruin? Oh, in terms of gameplay, though, this sport seems similar to its American counterpart, dice, lots of dice, and action cards. Unless you're playing Aussie footy. BGG indicates it came out in the late 60s, which uses a tiddlywink huh. mechanic huh. and whose gameplay length is set by a predetermined points or a chosen amount of time. You know. All right. Depends how you're feeling. Yeah. My main note here is that if you are a fan of Australian football games, the BGG needs your help. A lot of games are missing a lot of info, and I'm guessing there are a lot more games from this sport hiding out there that we don't know about yet. I know one of our listeners was talking about problems of getting board games in Australia, like just the cost of getting things. Yes, that's true. So I, I wonder, if, is there like this whole mm. world of Australian board game design and more Aussie football games? And I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to know more about that. But uh, yeah, it seems underrepresented. Yeah. It feels like a sport that in a lot of ways would be easier than American football because it's more like soccer in its flowingness as mm. a game as opposed to a start and stop a whole bunch of decisions and then a whole bunch of effort for very little time. I'm going to regret asking this, but is it more of a rugby type game? It's more, yes, in that, in that field position is very important and it's about moving up and down, but it there with a bigger field, it's similar to hockey in that you can battle it out in the neutral zone for a while with the ball changing hands a lot until somebody breaks free Hmm. or somebody makes a mistake and then you can have long runs. I wonder if that's harder to make a game out of or not. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It would be, the strategy would be much different. Yeah, I'm. I'm like now. I'm going to spend the rest. If if I'm silent for the rest of the episode, it's because <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to gamify this huh. in an interesting, non take forever kind of way. Yeah, yeah. This will become my new obsession. Cool. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I just to learn about sports, I need to become obsessed with one sport just to des- try to design a game on that sport. 
Aussie football is a good that would, sport that would for be that. Fun. It's a weird. It is underrepresented. Yeah, and it's. I like any sport where where they have medics on the field. <laughs> yeah. Like just on the field. So yeah. if somebody gets hurt, they they go, uh, "Are you all right, mate?" And they go, "Of course I am. I'm playing Aussie rules football." And they go, "No, you've got to come off." And they go, "If you try to take me off, I will hurt you." And that's, <laughs> I think, a conversation that goes on. Uh, so there are problems the, with Aussie rules football. The medics wear helmets. They don't wear helmets. No, of course not. They wear a pinny. They wear a pink pinny, <laughs> and sometimes they get in the way, oh, and it's terrible. Yes, medics. Anyway, medics. Uh, let's move on to the biggest yeah, let's move one. On. Yeah. I, I could, I, yeah, the idea of it. You can see enticing. it like in my eyes oh, now. I can, like, I can see just, I'm far away. Design like, it, you're shifting around, moving bits, and you're like, oh, how are we, okay. I'll get rushed to prototype. Auto racing is our next one. Mm-hmm. This is the, the granddaddy of this episode. You know, only 572 titles. You know, yeah. no biggie, whatever. No, pss, yeah, what's that? Hardly any games at all. But let's move on to the next category. Sure, done. Or, you know, we can do a few auto racing board all games. Right. We'll do a couple. Let's go back in time a bit to understand why there are so many auto racing games, because that's what my brain was like. Right. Why is there racing games? One possible reason could be when you look for the oldest BGG entry for this group, you end up with bottle caps, circa 1900. And someone's provided the lovely description that's worth reading in full here. Okay. Bottle caps is a traditional game of originating from the beginning of the 20th century. It's probably the ancestor of the pitch car game. It uses crown bottle caps to simulate a race. In its early days, it was a kart race. Now it is usually a car race. It can be played on a table, floor, or outdoors. Players start from making the, the racetrack. Depending on the environment, they may draw it on a big sheet of paper, arrange it using available objects like books, boxes, tools, etc. Draw it with a piece of chalk on the flat surface, even cut it with a knife on the ground. For some game events, the tracks were specially designed and made of gypsum. Then each player takes his or her bottle cap and puts it at the start line. To make the caps heavier, they're usually filled with candle wax, gypsum, plasticine, clay, or even lead for outdoor races only. The race begins then, and the players, in appropriate order, finger flick their bottle caps toward the finish line, avoiding their quote-unquote cars, getting out of the track, or stopping on trap areas that require players to go back and miss a turn, etc. So... Combine this long history of racing games with this relatively straightforward rule, you know, with the relatively straightforward rules of the modern sport, and you end up with a lot of designs. Players don't have to have a deep understanding of strategy or real-life gameplay. Cars move in one direction around a track till somebody wins. But there are quite a few ways you can represent this in board game setting. That that history really kind of hits on it, why it's just, it's timeless. It can be done anywhere. It's beautiful. I do like that there is an auto racing game that's under the auto racing category that predates most auto racing <laughs> totally yeah. yeah this idea of just racing is just a thing yeah. we do right yeah, yeah that title of podcast was it i wonder if it was in this category or just the racing category i don't remember but it's i bet you found it under auto racing but probably, probably because the people alive Tied today that have played it yeah would be representing auto racing that's a good because kart racing would have been you know kart racing predates the internet by but, a couple of years just a few yeah, no, it's it's great. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that totally nails. I mean, it's not a lot of, inno- you know, well, there's been lots of innovation, but it's, yes. it's, a, it's a design that just carries forward. Very simple. Yep. There's a lot of ways of doing it, but, you know, let's we'll run through a few here. The game in this category with the highest BGG rank is Pitch Car from uh, Jean du Poel. It's a finger-flicking dexterity game that takes about 30 minutes to play and accommodates two to eight players. The one nice thing about some of these sports games, they're really flexible in terms of player count. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how much waiting around you do, but with a dexterity game, probably not a lot. And it also looks like a pretty entertaining gameplay, so you can watch your friends fail miserably. Yep, that's the fun. That's the main draw of dexterity games. I isn't think so. Is watching your friends. You're terrible. Yes. I'm terrible. Yes. Let's be terrible together. Ha ha. It's the whole, you know, kind of game the whole family gets to be terrible at. Yes. Hey, Grandma, you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Pitch Car sounds very familiar to Bottle Caps. Yep. The next up is Formula D 2008, which is an updated re-release of Formula Day? D? Day? I don't know. D-E apostrophe a goo. Yeah. This one uses some interesting gear shifting dice rolling. Also, as the description notes, players take penalties if they miss their roll, bump into another car, or are blocked by other cars, have to brake heavily, or have to downshift several gears. These are taken off the car's attributes, tire health, brake, wear, transmission gears, body, engine, and suspension. Mm-hmm. So they're really attempting to get the feel yeah. of racing with this one. The rules include the ability to customize your cars, use a pre-generated character, add slipstreaming, drafting rules, and uh, road debris, and change tires types to uh, modify your distance rolls. There are variations for a single uh, lap race or multiple laps with pit stops to repair some of your damage points. In addition, numerous expansion tracks can be purchased um, to vary the demands on each of each driver and car. Each track may also have weather effects, like rain, that change car handling and die rolls due to skidding on a wet track. This opens the game for rally rules, given, giving championship points over to a number over a number of races, which that sounds pretty yeah. cool. And then, you know, for we'll go, we'll go right into the next one, which is really super intrigued me, because imagine what uh, GMT, probably best known as a war game publisher for such titles as Twilight Struggle or the Commands and Colors series of games, would put out in, you know, this category. It's like Reiner Knizia. What? You know, yeah. just imagine GMT's making war games. What would the, you know, now they're going to make an auto racing game? You end up with Thunder Alley, 2014 game from Jeff and Carla Horger. It's, that's your answer for this one. Let's give a little taste of the publisher's description. Thunder Alley is a stock car racing game for two to seven players with the feel and flexibility of a car-driven simulation. Drafting, teamwork, accidents, yellow flags, pit strategy, working to lead laps, and sprints to the finish are all included and bring the feel of racing to the game. Players control not one car, but a team of three to six cars. Thus, each race is not only a run for the checkered flag, but an effort to maximize the score for every car on your team. Winning is important, but if only one car crosses the finish line, your team might end up outside the winner circle looking in. Wow. So they're uh, they're going for the full NASCAR that's stimulation in this totally one. yeah it's it's strategic each player adds multiple cars mm-hmm. so you get like weird dynamics um, you probably never really feel like you're totally losing mm-hmm. like I'm not sure if this would satisfy the Mario Kart fanatic in our <laughs> house uh, but I it would be worth a try the, like the longer I've known about this title now the more I want to play yeah. this I was like oh that looks really good like I've seen it and mm-hmm. I went eh, I don't know. Now that I've really looked into it, I was like, oh, no, that, that's yeah, cool. I've, I've looked at Formula D for a long time because it's, it's one of those that's always in the store. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I don't have a racing game, and this looks good. But that description on Thunder Alley makes me go, ooh, that might be... Even better. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not uh, too bogged down in mechanics. It doesn't time. seem yeah. like it is. And that's why it was like light enough, mm-hmm. it accommodates a huge count. I was like, wow, this, and, and also the multiple cars. I really yeah. like that. It, it kind of makes the game just feel different rather than. It gives a, you more to think about. And it's not exactly because most race games, it's you're either in front and you go, okay, try to stay in front. Yeah. Or you're not in front and you go, okay, try to get in front. Let's roll the dice. Let's flick the thing. Let's yeah. do the stuff. Yeah. And then, whereas and this then is it's waiting. 
This is more, okay, if I leave this guy here to block that guy from passing, yeah, and then I can stay ahead of them. And if I finish second, third, and fifth, I win. Yeah. It's just constant strategy. Yeah. That, that is definitely one that is on my list now. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, all these, not all sports games are dice heavy. Race Formula 90, a 2013 from designer Alessandro Lala, is another interesting example that uses cards. In this one, though, you only control one car and the other players are, others are played by robots. Hmm. As the description notes, Race Formula 90 is a card racing game simulating all the typical elements of a motorsport event. Car strategies, weather changes, pit stops, tire management, overtaking, doubling, and of course, damages and crashes. Damages and crashes, everyone's favorite part of auto racing. It's the only reason I've ever played any auto racing video game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's similar, but a little different that you've got the robots, uh, the, you know, the kind of the dummy car is yeah. being played. But let's head back to dice for a moment. Okay. Do you think we can uh, exit this topic without making note of Formula Motor Racing 1995, the curious combination of designer of everything, Reiner Knizia, and the aforementioned uh, war game publisher, GMT Games? <laughs> I did not see this coming. I uh, mean, it makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's, oh, wow. Okay. Imagine if Reiner Knizia got like a nickel every time his name was mentioned on a, on a board game podcast. Yeah, we'd be yeah. broke. <laughs> um, this one uses both dice and cards, takes 20 minutes to play, and is for three to six players. There is no track, but the cards define car advancement and what your car does. Uh, powerful cards require dice roll, adding luck to the pips to the luck of the draw. Also, it's probably the only way to get a light racing game in 20 minutes without it being a dexterity game. Um, as much as I veer towards heavier strategy games, this is a small game that would be fun with younger kids. I don't know. I think to me... If it's if it's a racing game that doesn't represent the car being moved around in some way, it's just not gonna it work. Just, yeah, it's I need that visual. Yeah. yeah, that's me. I, I, it could be a fantastic game, and I might be missing out. I could, I see that. Yeah, a quick glance tells us that you know there's already going to be several new games mm-hmm. in this category this year, so there's no lack of possible innovation. Maybe merging different ideas yep. here. Publisher AG completes their trilogy of trains and planes with. Automobiles. Automobiles. Yeah, they had to do it. John Candy and uh, Steve Martin, right? But it's more than a lengthy time joke. It's a deck builder-ish game of drawing and allocating cubes. It's a cube builder. It's a cube. (laughs) Players race around a track in this one, and it looks like another racing game for even non-racing fans. This one does. I've been following this one Mm -hmm. um, because there's a beautiful designer diary on uh, BoardGameGeek about this, and it looks quite good. It does. Yes, with a lot of variety in a deck buildery kind of way, but with the same goal of racing around a track. I think it's the same designer as Planes, I believe. Yes. And I think the it's a, maybe a, a bit of a redemption too, because people weren't as fond of Planes as they were of Trains. But that's a, a tough designer. one, because, yeah, because Trains, trains are so good. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it should be interesting. I, I looked at this and I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I feel like this one will hit our game group in some way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we need a game like this in the group. Yes, this year, we also see GMT and Jeff and Carla Horger bring us another racing game with Grand Prix. Uh, I'm not sure how similar this is to their stock car game, but the description tells us from 2 to 11 players can compete in the game controlling either one team of two cars or multiple teams. Players will score in two different ways. Individual car scoring, where first place is huge and only the top 10 places get any points, and team scoring, where the placement of all cars in a race will determine the team score. 11 players that's what just made that's, me laugh I'm that's like, a very specific number 11, i'm intrigued yeah. that's a huge like who how what that's a lot that's a party yeah that's a it look it sounds like a sequel it, to the to it Thunder does Alley. a little bit yeah yeah 
and I mean, Thunder Valley is two to seven, so mm-hmm. two to eleven. I I don't even know, but I'm very intrigued by what they're doing now. Finally, if you want to, you know, get out of the crowded stadium, you can go underground with Street Kings. That'll be coming out this year. This one is played in phases, and the description says you'll start at the bottom using your D-class cards and notes. With the help of your crew, cars, upgrades, and skills, you'll win races to gain credits and fame. With these credits, you'll be able to buy parts, hire crew, and even advance to the next class. Another way to gain credits is by showing off your ride at the local car shows. You'll also be able to choose locations where the race will take place. I feel like this game is trying to be very fast and furious in I its design. I think so, yeah. And they're, like, I'm upset there's no mention of stopping some sort of or pulling off some sort of crime. Exactly. I Yeah, that might be coming soon. Yes. I You know, they assure us in the description, this is not a dice and a roll and move. There are no dice in this game. Wow. They're, they're very firm about that. Take that dice. Take that dice. I see your beady little pip stare. But now that our engine's warmed up, Jeff... Mm -hmm. I think we should shift into looking at a hefty game category that combines brutal strategy and borderline incomprehensible rules. We're going to go, we're going deep on this one. Are you ready for it? Yep. Badminton. Oh yeah. Yeah. About time. You knew it. Yes. I'm afraid we don't have much to report in the field of badminton. What? BGG lists three games. The only two with dates are from 1930 and 1966, <laughs> and all three capture tapping or feature tapping miniature rackets as part of the dexterity game simulation of real badminton. In other words, a pale imitation. Yeah, no kidding. Where are the badminton deck builders, the badminton dice rollers, the emerging badminton narratives? Only time will tell what the future holds for this brave little category and this well-intentioned but underrepresented sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm upset that there Aww. was not more in that. Yeah, I don't know what you can do. I think it's just called going outside. Game designers out there, there's a void in the badminton world. I think a badminton set costs less than any kind of game representation of badminton. I think that's half the problem. I don't know if I... Or if it comes with badminton set, maybe. As I get older in my life and in worse and worse shape... You realize you're... The idea between playing a board game version of an actual (laughs) sport and playing a sport like badminton, I'm going to take the board game. Your badminton years are behind you. Yes. They they belong in the year never was. (laughs) Never was. I think if you included a, like a really cheap badminton set in the box with the game, that might be you know cover both worlds. No, no. I want to see That's a it. quick paced badminton simulation of badminton with All like right. high stakes world of badminton. All right, GMT, we're going to yes. pitch something for you next year. <laughs> badminton, Knizia, you're on the clock. Eighteen seventy four. 1963, I think. Would be- <laughs> yeah, that's true. The heyday. So in conclusion here, both sports and board games thrive on innovation. As game mechanics evolve and more games than ever hit the market, this will undoubtedly have a positive impact on board game sports. We can see this already happening in the few sports we looked at here. So in the coming weeks, we hope to bring you a part two of our series where we'll continue to explore the evolution of board game sports in the remainder of the alphabet. We did not get very far through the alphabet in this one. Yeah, that's... uh... That's impressive. If you want to check out the show notes for the game titles mentioned in this episode, be sure to visit us over at BreakingDads.com. I'm also attempting to possibly remember to put a (laughs) specific show page link to the show notes text in the podcast app. So I'm not going to put the full notes to this thing uh, in the app. That's ridiculous. But I will put a link to the specific show page. Then you can go and click away. One click. One click. Uh, And if I forgot, you can complain. Yes. Over at Epic Gumdrop on Twitter. Until next time, uh, I've been Jeff. And I'm no longer... No, I'm still Jeff. I've been been James. Am I James? I don't don't even know. I don't even know anymore. I'm still thinking about an Aussie Rules football game. It's...
It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Yeah. You've been Jeff. Am I? You are. All right. All right. And I'll be James. Okay.